Buenos días. Espero que todos estén listos para practicar su español. <laughs> it is such an honor to be here, a uh, great joy. Uh, my family and I are so grateful to the Lord for having a community in spirit, in heart, which does not necessarily mean that we agree on everything, except that we love God above all things and we want to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Um, before you start, I am going to take advantage of being here to share warmest greetings from my colleagues at the Center for Reconciliation at Duke University, where I have the honor of serving and teaching. And also uh, my colleagues from Peace and Hope International. Some of you may not know this. It's perfectly fine. But if you want to know more, uh, do not hesitate to ask Roberto or me. We have a ministry uh, that is a uh, uh, justice-oriented, peace-building ministry in Latin America, currently serving in seven countries. Um, all right, so um, Melissa already gave the message, I think, uh, in those uh, inspiring words to our children. But today I would like to share some reflections with you about the meaning of baptism. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Our dear Lord, God of water, God of fresh air, God of cleaning water. Please help us and open our eyes and ears to your word. Amen. So I have a few questions that I would like to discuss today with you. The first one is, where does the practice of baptism come from? Did John the Baptist invent it? <laughs> Clearly not, right? Baptism actually was a relatively common practice uh, for, it has been for about 2,100 years. It's a practice that comes to the Middle East and especially practiced by the people of the ancient Hebrew nation and, and Jewish people today as well. It was particularly uh, an important practice at the times when the temples existed, the first temple and then the second temple that was uh, erected in the times of Jesus. So, so it's a Jewish practice, but also goes beyond this idea of cleansing water, cleaning us inside and out. Tevilah uh, is a word in Hebrew that I am positive I am mispronouncing that comes from the word or the term taval, which means immersion. So the actual heart of the tevilah practice is to be completely covered. Tevilah is the practice of immersioning water uh, that for ancient Hebrews, especially in the Old Testament, was used to remove uh, impurity. Very much ritual impurity as people of the Old Testament were particularly oriented to ritual, right? It, it, and there is nothing wrong with rituals, of course, uh, as long as we understand what they mean and we practice them with a genuine heart. As we know many times, we can just move with others and follow the ritual without stopping to think what it truly means. So our modern word baptism comes from the Greek term for, for dipping, for full immersion. And, uh, and certainly during the times of uh, John the Baptist and our Lord Jesus, 
uh, it was a very important symbol of spiritual purification. Tevilech was practiced often, as I was saying, in the Jewish temple. You may remember the many times in which the books of the law in the Old Testament referred to the need to being washed with water after we have done something wrong or we have touched what we should not have touched, or even if, if it was unintentional, the path to finding the purity that we needed to commune with God and with the rest of the people uh, included washing. Now, there are two terms, not that it's that relevant, but I just love going to the original terms. Uh, rahatz, another mispronounced term, which means wash, and tevilah, which means pool immersion. And this is the second one, tevilah, is so important because if you remember the story of Naaman, who was this man from Syria, he was a powerful man, a pretty rich man. Among his servants, he had a girl. Might, the girl might have been caught over a fight, a, a battle, uh, or maybe she was so poor that she was sold due to the deaths of her family. But she, uh, Naaman had in his household this Jewish girl, this Hebrew girl, who was feeling sorry for him because he had contracted leprosy. And there was no money that could heal him. So this girl tells Naaman, there in my, among my people in my land where I come from, there, is, there are prophets who might have the power to heal you. It took a little bit of convincing, but Naaman, over time, got desperate, as anyone would be desperate, with this terrible illness. So Naaman, event, I mean, the story goes, I, I invite you to read it. It's in 2 Kings chapter 5. There's a lot more details, very interesting. You know, Hebrews were really good at narrative, so don't miss it. Go back to it, 2 Kings 5. But the point of the story is that finally, Naaman, he was so powerful, he even sent letters to the king of Israel. And the king was desperate, thinking, now what do I do? I am a king, but I cannot heal anyone, and I cannot impose on anyone healing this man. But Elisha, the prophet, who had been mentored by Elijah, said, do not be desperate, just send this man to me. I will heal him by God's grace. So eventually Naaman and Elisha meet. And Elisha says, go to the Jordan River and dip yourself, literally, Tevila, seven times, fully. And by the seventh baptism, you will be healed. Naaman's reaction <laughs> reminded me of my own reaction so many times. <laughs> was like, I have traveled this far, all this way to talk to this man, when I have much better rivers in my own hometown, in Damascus. Jordan River is nothing compared to, it was Sioux Falls in South America. Why am I having to be baptized in the Jordan? So that's, that was Naaman's very proud heart. But he was sick, and he was desperate. So despite his pride and his annoyance at the words of the prophet, he says, well, I'm already here. What can I lose? And he goes. 
and he practices the tevilah seven times and emerges from the waters of cleansing a new man, free from leprosy, a saved man, saved and liberated. I am pretty sure not only from physical illness, but from his pride, which is sometimes a, a worse illness for us, at least I am speaking for myself. So in the case of Naaman, as probably in the, same, in the case of many people in the Old Testament, Tevilah, baptism, meant liberation and salvation, not just a ritual. And now we have John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, a peculiar guy. We just read, or rather read the passage in Mark for us, a particular sense of fashion that was not too popular in, in Palestine at the time. Would be perfect now that we are living through a deep, multiple environmental crisis around the world. So we may want to pay attention to his diet and his fashion sense. So John carried out his ministry in Palestine in fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, a prophecy that was given to comfort the Hebrews. Uh, if you pay attention to Isaiah chapter 40, especially verse 3, Isaiah wrote, Hear the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Now, Isaiah was not the only person who spoke of John the Baptist before, hundreds of years before. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, said the Lord of hosts. Malachi continues in chapter 4, verse 5, saying, Behold, I will send you Elijah, not Elisha. Elisha is like the disciple who mentored him was prophet Elijah. I will send Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. For the Hebrew mind, for the people who were listening or reading these letters uh, from the Old Testament or listening to them in temple or synagogue, it was very clear that the coming of the Messiah was deeply connected with the appearance of prophet Elijah. Jesus himself confirmed this in uh, Matthew 17, verses 11 through 13 say, Jesus replied, but I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done with him everything they wished, referring to his beheading. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. So what does Tevilah baptism mean in this context of expecting Elijah to come? Because when Elijah shows up, the Messiah will show up. 
You see, the practice of baptism is deeply connected to this expectation of the Messiah arriving for salvation and liberation. Before John, as I said, for a person to participate in the ritual of Tevilah or baptism in our common modern languages, uh, it was a ritual of complete immersion in water that meant purification so that they could participate in the Hebrew religious community. Tevilah, as baptism, is a public symbol of repentance before the eyes of God and before the eyes of our community. For the forgiveness of sins, because the water represents the cleansing not only of our body, but all of our being. But John, who was so smart and so in communion with God, alerted people that someone was coming after him to baptize them, not only with water, like John would do, but especially to baptize them in the spirit of God. This is probably why he was so shocked when Jesus showed up at the Jordan River, ready in, you know, waiting in line to be baptized by his cousin. Because for John in his preaching, it had been so clear, you come to the water because you're dirty and you need to be purified. You come to the water because we are sinners and we need to repent. And the water washes us and we emerge as new creation a new opportunity, a new chance to make it right, to seek the Lord with all our hearts because that's not what we have been doing. So why would Jesus need to be baptized? Because yes, when he was about 30 years old, he put himself in line. And Jesus told him, you know, John said first, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. In Jesus, in all humility, which was one of his greatest and most obvious char uh, character traits, uh, features, says, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness or all justice. Might be justice might be a better translation. The story continues in Mark 1, verses 10 and 11, when uh, Mark narrates, and just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So why was Jesus baptized? You could say, well, it was an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show up and give us a logo. Mennonites, peace and hope also. <laughs> uh, maybe a secondary goal, <laughs> but there was a lot more, uh, more relevant. In his baptism, Jesus fulfills, and as he will be doing that throughout his life and especially on his death, one of the most crucial moments of identification with humanity. The logos of God 
became flesh. But the Logos could have walked on earth as perfect flesh as he was, supremely different from other humans, maybe not even needed to to touch the earth as he walked. He could have just, you know, he did it a few times. He walked on water. He demonstrated that he was no common man. But in his baptism, he embraces humanity in such a particular way, practicing in his body the ritual act that among all the rituals of the Old Testament was probably the most significant one to project the concept of liberation, of salvation, which essentially means uh, being free from harm, of redemption, which essentially means that our debt has been paid, and of reconciliation, of humanity with God, humanity with one another, and humanity with all of creation. It is in the body of Christ that our salvation was sealed. It was in baptism that he was foreshadowing what was going to be happening to his body. Jesus identified himself with all and each one of us. Not from a stance of the perfection of the divinity, but from a place of vulnerability. A human body that can be broken. So now we know a little bit about why Jesus chose to be baptized. But you may still be wondering, so why do we need to get baptized? These are spiritual truths. Why a ritual? Why a physical thing? It's cold, you know, in the river. <laughs> Andrew can attest. That's why we baptized in the summertime. <laughs> so why do we get baptized? Yes, we could say it is an act of public repentance, a ritual of cleanliness, so that everybody knows that we are humble by seeking forgiveness for our sins. Amen to that. I think that's absolutely true. But especially when we get baptized by full immersion, it, has, it is a particularly appropriate response of faith and love to the God who was made flesh. To God who identified God's self with us. So when we get baptized, we are saying, I want to identify with you because you identified yourself with our brokenness. So may our identification be complete, not just through the symbol, the very important symbol of baptism, Tevilach, but in the complete calling 
of God uh, as written by Paul in Philippians chapter 2, first 11 verses. Paul invites us to consider very seriously who Jesus Christ is. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, all of these things symbolized by baptism, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, consider that Jesus had the same nature as God. And Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself humble, obedient. He made himself a servant, being made in full human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a human, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God. Amen.